All right, everyone, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. If you have one, go with me to the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible, chapter 28. Before I get into my message today, I made mention a couple of weeks ago, and I think last week as well, that uh, we have a, there's a book that we have available downstairs to complement this series on sacramental living, and it's a book called uh, Blessed Broken Given. It's available downstairs, and if you want to just continue to learn about um, what it means to follow Jesus and encounter Christ in the everydayness of life. Uh, this is a wonderful resource, and it's available downstairs. Feel free to, to pick it up before you head out. And uh, just generally, downstairs, there are some resources in our little bookstore that we have there for you uh, to, to read and to meditate and to keep Christ uh, before you. Uh, throughout the course of the week. So make sure you take a look at that. Uh, we are in our third week of this series on uh, sacramental living, encountering God in the ordinary. And the first week we talked about the Eucharist, how Christ meets us in the bread and the cup at the Lord's table. Last week we uh, expressed, um, we preached on baptism and what joy it was to have uh, folks come forward and have a little dab of water on their forehead reminding us that we belong to Jesus Christ. And I hope that this past week you have remembered that you belong to Jesus Christ. And so uh, last week we focused on baptism. Today I'm going to broaden it out to what does it mean to encounter God uh, throughout the rest of the world outside of just the table, outside of just the water, but what does it mean to counter, encounter God uh, throughout the course of our everyday existence. And so we've been talking about this. This is what it means to live sacramentally. Now, the word sacrament is uh, a helpful definition is sacraments are moments in time in which the invisible grace of God comes to us in a tangible way through the practices that Jesus has entrusted to us. And so that's what the sacrament is, capital S. Jesus gives us communion, the Lord's table, the bread and the cup. He gives us baptism. That sacrament at the capital S, God, God's invisible grace meeting us in tangible ways. But what does it mean to live a sacramental vision in the world? What does it mean to live sacramentally in the world? And this is a simple way of understanding that, and then I want to preach on, on it here. To live sacramentally is about a way of seeing all of life particularly the material existence of the world, as holy and sacred spaces to encounter God. That God is not to be confined to our worship service and to what we do in this uh, 70 to 90 minutes of our day on a Sunday, but God is to be encountered everywhere we go. And that's what I want to talk about today. What does it mean to live sacramentally through the story of Jacob's ladder in Genesis 28? This is a beautiful story, and there's so many different layers to the story, and so I, I wish I could spend three hours talking about all of the different uh, layers and applications for us, but I want to focus this story uh, as we think about what does it mean to live sacramentally. And so Genesis 28, beginning in verse number 10, you can follow along on the screen as well. This is one of the more famous Old Testament stories. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with his top reaching to heaven. 
And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. Hear those words as God's words to you as well today. I am with you and will go with you wherever you go. And I will, not bring, you, I will bring you to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Let's pray together. Lord, give us grace now to hear this message. Give us eyes to see your presence in our midst. Ears to hear the words that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us and a heart to receive all the revelation you have for us this day. We open ourselves up to you and we offer this time to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Every week, my five-year-old son, Nathan, and I play a game of hide-and-seek in our apartment. We don't have a big apartment, and so sometimes the game ends very quickly. But it's always very fun to play this game with him, particularly when it's my time to hide. When I hide, the goal of the game when I play hide-and-seek with Nathan is not for me to stay hidden for hours. Uh, that would not be fun for him. But the goal is to make the game somewhat interesting, but ultimately that I would be found by him. And so when I hide, I hide in such a way where if I'm in a closet, I make sure to stick my foot out the closet a little bit. <laughs> Or if I'm under the bed, I make sure that my hand is sticking out under the bed a little bit. And get this, I hide enough so that he has to search for me. But I reveal myself good enough so that he can always find me. I hide well enough so he has to search for me but I reveal myself just enough so he can always find me. And as I thought about playing hide-and-seek with my son Nathan this past week, I thought, ah, this is how God relates to us as well. God is the God who is hidden. God is the God who we cannot see. God hides in such a way that we have to search for him, and yet God reveals enough of his grace so much so that we can find him. Now, we can find God supremely in Jesus Christ. God has been revealed definitively in Jesus Christ. And so we find God in Christ, and we believe God through Christ. And yet, Christ has resurrected. We cannot see Jesus with our eyes. And yet, God has left traces for us to find him, traces in our material world to find him, which is why when we talk about the sacraments, God has left these things behind for us so that we can encounter God in the material existence of life. Jesus leaves for us bread. He leaves for us a cup. 
He leaves for us the act of baptism through the simplicity of water. And it is through these symbols that we encounter the grace and presence of the living God. But it is not just through these symbols that God comes to us. God comes to us through all of human existence. God is not far from us. This is what the Apostle Paul got at in Acts chapter 17, where he's having a religious conversation with some people about faith and about religion. And what Paul says in Acts 17 is wonderful uh, to hear. He says, from one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Verse 27, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Hear those words. God is not far from any one of us. It was William Blake, the great poet of the 19th century, who said it this way in his his wonderful poem. He says, to see a world in a grain of sand and heaven in a wildflower, hold infinity in the palm of your hand, and eternity in an hour. And that's wonderful language to see that throughout the, the material existence of the world and the simplicity of the things that are before us, God's presence is to be found. Where is God, we often ask? Where can God be found? And Jesus says God can be found in the bread and in the cup. God can be found in the waters of baptism. And those symbols are not just to be restricted and confined to our gathered space. Those symbols and that theology is to now permeate the way we live in the world. Which is to say, when we focus on the waters of baptism, it's not just to be reminded that we are washed in Jesus. It is to remind us that every time we see water in the world, we are reminded of the presence of God and our baptism. So next time it rains, we just don't go, oh, it's raining again. What an opportunity for us to say, oh, my baptism. I know that's very holy thinking here. Um, when we see, when you go to the supermarket and you buy bread and you, you can just go, oh, I can't wait to eat. Or it can trigger your memory to say, oh, wait a second, the bread and the cup. All of life is to point to the presence of God in our midst. And yet, here's the tragedy of our lives. God is present and yet we often miss him. This is the story of Jacob. In Genesis 28... We find Jacob, one of the most important figures of the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. Jacob's name means trickster. He's a liar. He deceives everyone left and right. And it so happens that Jacob lives his entire life deceiving people, deceiving his older brother Esau, stealing his birthright, stealing the father's blessing that should have gone to Esau. And he deceived him so badly that Esau wanted to kill him. Not like metaphorically, like, hey, brother, I'm going to kill you. No, he really wanted to kill his younger brother. And so Jacob flees for his life. He's been deceiving everyone, and now his deception has caught up to him, and he's about to be killed by his brother. And so Jacob flees into a wilderness, into an open space in which nothing is there. It seems to be a place of uh, dryness, a wilderness area. God certainly is, is not supposed to be in this desert place. And as Jacob is wandering through his life, he decides to go to sleep. And he takes a stone and he takes a nap on a stone, which is a picture of just the, the harshness of his life, the harsh terrain of his soul. 
the difficulty that he's experiencing. And Jacob takes a nap, and as he takes a nap, God gives him a dream. And the dream is that there is a ladder that goes down from the earth all the way up to the top, and there are angels descending, angels ascending, and the Lord is on top of the ladder, essentially repeating the words to Jacob that he spoke to Abraham and that he spoke to Isaac, that I have not forgotten about you. I have not forgotten about your grandfather, have not forgotten about your father, and I am remembering you as well. And God begins to give him promises that he's given to his previous generation. Begins to say, I have a plan for you, I am with you, and it is at that moment that Jacob awakes from his dream. And when Jacob wakes up from his sleep, he has two important things that he says. And I want to focus my time on these two important things that he says because I think it helps us understand what it means to live sacramentally in the world, seeing God in all things. He says, God is in this place, and I didn't know it. God is in this place, and I didn't know it. I don't know about you, but I live my life like that often. God is in this place. And I didn't know it. I want to focus the rest of this message on those two phrases. God is in this place, and I didn't know it. The first thing is very important to see. Jacob says, God is in this place. He's surprised. He's overwhelmed. He's shocked. This is not a place where it seems God would reveal himself. No one is here. And yet God surprises him with his presence. And I don't know how Jacob said it. Did he say it with joy? Did he say it with fear? Did he say it with with regrets? I'm not sure exactly. Certainly he says he was afraid. But he is gripped by it. He wakes up and says, God was in this place. God shows up in a very surprising place in his life. And this story is important for us because in the same way that God revealed himself to Jacob in the most ordinary circumstance, through his difficulty, through his pain, through his suffering and his anxiety, God often reveals himself to us in this way as well. Where does God meet us? Where is this place for our lives? Where is this place for our own human existence. Now, when we say, where does God meet us? We often think, oh yeah, God meets us here. God meets us in church. God meets us when we're singing. God meets us when we hear the word of God preached. God meets us in community. And of course, that's true. God meets us here. But what the challenge of our Christian life often is we have so compartmentalized God, where we believe God is here, but God is not there. That God is in the the stuff that makes me feel really uh, good and holy and I feel God's presence. He's there, but he's not here. And yet, that is a, a compartmentalized spirituality is a dangerous spirituality. Because we fail to see all the subtle and hidden ways in which God is present in our midst. And what I love about the Bible is that it, it repeatedly shows the ways that God surprises us with his presence. In the book of Acts, I read a statistic recently that said that 39 out of the 40 miracles in the book of Acts happen outside the walls of the church. Let's think about that for a second. 39 out of 40 miracles in the book of Acts do not happen in a context like this. It's happening on the streets. It's happening in places where the people of God are not gathered in this particular way, which shows that God is so uncontrollable 
that God, God likes to reveal himself in supermarkets and libraries and workplaces and college campuses, that God is present. And so we cannot compartmentalize God to say God is here, but that God is not there. God is in all things. God is everywhere. Where is this place? There's a wonderful book by a woman named Kathleen Norris. She wrote a book called The Quotidian Mysteries. And the word quotidian there means uh, basically that which pertains to everyday life. And I love the subtitle. It's Laundry, Liturgy, and Women's Work. Laundry, Liturgy, and Women's Work. And the premise of this little wonderful book that she writes is that God can be encountered throughout all dimensions of human life. And what she says is this. She says, the Bible is full of evidence that God's attention is indeed fixed on the little things. God loves us, loves us so much that the divine presence is revealed even in the meaningless workings of daily life. And so to live sacramentally is to be on the lookout for the presence of God in our midst. To live sacramentally is to be always on the lookout for the presence of God in our midst. This is what it means to be in Christ, to be on the lookout for the new creation that Jesus Christ is creating around us. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it's a Bible verse that many of us have committed to memory. And it says, if any person is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is past, the new has come. But there's another way of seeing it in which Paul is not just talking about our interior newness. He's talking about the exterior newness as well, that Christians now can participate in seeing the newness of God's presence in our midst. And so it's not just if any person is in Christ, he's a new creation. It's also if any person is in Christ, new creation. In other words, I get a new set of eyes to see the world around me. One way of saying it is this, to be in Christ is not just about being a new creation in our interior lives, but about seeing new creation in our exterior world. God is present if we only look enough. If we look hard enough, we'll see God's presence in our midst. And so what I want to do is, we've talked about the sacraments with a capital S, the, the bread and the cup, baptismal waters. But what I want to do is I want to talk about sacraments with a lowercase s. The various symbols through which God comes to us. And I want to offer these symbols to you because I believe they they show us the gateway through which God often encounters us in the ordinariness of life. Many people live a spiritual life that says this, I can't wait to go to church on Sunday. It's only Tuesday. I can't wait till Sunday comes. And we live that way, and I love that we gather together and we sing, but it's often like, I can't wait to hear God and meet God on Sunday. And God is saying, "Uh, I'm ready to meet you here on Monday, (laughs) and Tuesday, and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. God is saying, listen, I'm available. I'm here. I want to show you my presence. I want to communicate my grace to you. What does it mean to have a, a, a Monday through, through Sunday life with God, where we see God in all things. What are the s- symbols, the, the lowercase s sacraments? I want to offer a few images to you. Where can God be found? The first sacrament, lowercase s, I want to show you is that God can be found through the sacrament of the broom. The sacrament of the broom. 
through the ordinariness of cleaning up, of sweeping, we somehow can encounter the grace of God in our midst. What this communicates is that God is often present to us in the ordinary ways. Now, for me, I love sweeping. Oh, I love it. I, I, when, when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon me, I sweep. I, I mean, and Rosie loves it. She's like, oh, God is on you, brother. Just keep sweeping, you know? And uh, she loves it. She loves it. But, but, but I, I, love, I, I love sweeping. I love, you know, uh, bringing order out of chaos. I, I love, and it's a picture of, of the ways that God cleans and God sweeps and God makes us new. It's, 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 it's the ordinariness of life. That we can see this as, I just got to sweep again, or whatever it is, washing dishes, whatever, laundry, whatever it is. Or we can see, might this be a space where God wants to meet me in the ordinariness of life, the sacrament of the broom. There's another sacrament, though. This, it's, it's also the sacrament of the desk, the sacrament of the desk. And by this, I'm talking about our workplaces. And I recognize that we all don't work at a desk in this way. We all have different careers and occupations and such. But the thrust of it is, at our workplaces, God wants to meet us there. And God wants to communicate his grace through our work. That our work is, work did not come after sin entered the world. I know that's what most of you believe. Like, work came after sin. Work is a result of sin. But God gave Adam and Eve lots of stuff to do before sin entered into the world. Uh, work is actually a part in which we participate with God in the newness of creation. And so whatever it might be, your workplace can become sacred space when we slow down enough to see God at work. Now, I recognize some of you, you're so happy, first of all, you don't have work tomorrow for many of you. And, and it's just like, thank God. And you don't see it as sacred space. You see it as Satan's space. And I understand and all that there. And yet, God wants to encounter us through our work in the simplicity and the everydayness of our creating and shaping the, the sacrament of the work desk. There's another sacrament, though, is the sacrament of the diaper. <laughs> the sacrament of the diaper. Now, I don't want to romanticize all this. And, and when, you know, when, when, it was, when my children were young enough to be, get diapers changed and 2 o'clock in the morning came, I wasn't going, oh, this is sacred space. This is just, <laughs> Lord, your presence is here. I could feel you all over, you know. I'm thinking, why, child, why, you know. And, and, and yet the sacrament of the diaper reminds us that in the simplicity of parenting, in all the acts that often are very draining and overwhelming, God meets us here. Now, we can often look at parenting, and I've done it many times, as an obstacle to get to God. Like, child, you're keeping me from God. As opposed to being a means through which we encounter God. And that's a shift that we have to make every single day. And it's hard, and it's not easy but it's a shift that God wants to see us, that parenting and children are a gift to us. Children are a gift that shows us something of God. I was reminded of this yesterday. I was, I was playing with Nathan, and uh, he, ha he got a walkie-talkie for Christmas, 
And uh, finally, we, we got the, the batteries for it. You know, the batteries cost $30 for like two AA batteries these days. But um, anyway, um, and so I was like, how much? You know, and, and, and so we got the walkie-talkie and started working. And again, we don't have this massive apartment. And so I said, Nathan, go all the way to the other side. I could still hear him, you know, and all the way to the other side. And for about 20 minutes, we're talking back and forth with the walkie-talkie. And I'll say, what are you doing now? Over. And, and, and he says, I'm under the bed. Over. And, and, and I say something else. What's your favorite color? Over. And, and he starts saying, over. And then at one point, just, just surprisingly, he, he, he goes, Daddy, I love you. Over. And, and, I said, and I said, oh, wait a second. <laughs> and I, just, I just melted. I just melted. I just melted. And I said, what did you say? Over. And... and <laughs> And he said, I said, I love you. Over. You know? <laughs> if you know anything about my son, he screams for every single thing. And I thought, in that simple moment of playing, God's coming to me now. God's love is coming to me. I can either see my children or children as an obstacle to get to God, or I can see my children as a gift that brings me to God, and a gift that God comes to me through the sacrament of the diaper. I often think about the sacrament of the paintbrush. I think about artists, whether painters, whether writers, uh, whether musicians. This really, that, this, this symbol kind of represents all, it's the artists in which many of you, God has given gifts to be artists and for some reason you have not tapped into that and yet God is waiting for you in the creating of beauty and the shaping of beauty. God comes to us through the sacrament of the paintbrush. And for some of you, 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 maybe you were an artist back in the day, but you got so busy with life. And God is saying, no, I want to meet you, meet you through the simplicity of the symbol, the sacrament of the paintbrush, the sacrament of the tree. God meets us through the created order. God meets us as we are in nature as we are breathing in the air, as we're hiking, as we are amidst creation, God comes to us, God meets us, God shows us something of his grace through the sacrament of the tree. But let me continue. God's everywhere. The sacrament of tears. We often see our sadness and our grief and our pain as the sign that God is not with us as opposed to seeing our tears as a sign that God is very near to us, that God comes to us in our sadness, God comes to us in our grief, God comes to us in our aloneness, God comes to us in all these ways. It's not that God is separated from you, but the tears show us God is actually near us. And how do we reframe our grief and our sadness to say, God, how are you communicating to me, coming to me even in the midst of my grief, in the midst of my tears? I think of also about the, the sacrament of the dinner table. When we are meeting with each other face to face, eye to eye, without the iPhone on the table, and we're not being fully distracted but we're able to hear each other's stories and look at each other in the eyes, whether it's friends or whether it's children, whether it's spouses, and able to hear their story, God comes to us as we are present to one another. I think of the sacrament of the wedding ring, that your marriage is to be a sign and wonder of God's grace. And through marital love, God comes to you through your spouse. This is what God intended for us 
that God's love would come to us through our spouse, through our passion, through our sexual intimacy, through our love for one another. God's love comes to us through this symbol of the wedding ring. And and finally, God comes to us through the human race. God comes to us in the people that we meet. And I was reminded of this Last year, 18 months ago, I met with one of our Christian monks, as I am prone to do, and he left me a quote that stuck with me and has stuck with me. He said, God is to be found in the next person you meet, or not at all. God is to be found in the next person you meet, or not at all. That everyone's made in the image of God. And God is to be found in the next person you meet or not at all. And I thought about that, and that, that, that quote came to mind last year after the third service. After preaching three services, I was very tired, and I had parked a couple of blocks away, and I was walking to the car. And as I'm walking to the car, there was a mentally ill person who approached me and began to curse me out and say some really harsh things to me. And it felt like an attack from the evil one, um, but uh, there were particular things that this person said that just hit me, like in places that I go, I was like, oh, that, that really hurt. And as I'm walking away, part of me is grieved, sort of is angry, part of me is afraid, like I, I don't want this thing to escalate here. And I start walking away, walking away, and I get in my car, and I need to just drive off. And, and part of me, I, I, was, I was grieved, I was sad, I was anxious. And at that moment right there, I remember that quote, God is either found in the next person you meet or not at all. And I thought, what is it like to find God in that person? That person who said really harsh things. That God, that that person is made in the image of God as well. And God can be found in that person or not at all. Isn't this Dr. King's message? that all are made in the image of God and are to be treated with dignity and respect and justice and compassion. God can either be found in the next person you meet or not at all. God is coming to us every single day. And Jacob says God is in this place. And then one of the more tragic verses in the entire Bible, he says the next thing, and I did not know it. God is here and I did not know it. And this is the story of my life. It may be the story of your life. That every day God comes, and we, we, we kind of find out after the fact. Oh, yeah, God was there. At Sony, I used to work in Lowell's Theaters on 68th Street and Broadway, one of my first jobs in the concession stand and movie theater and all that, as I've mentioned before. And all these celebrities used to come in, and I would find out after the fact that Harrison Ford was there or Mike Myers was there or whatever like that. And they say, and I would say, who was here? And, and they say, oh, he walked right in front of you. I said, oh, Harrison Ford, where's he? Han Solo was here and I didn't know it. You know, it was like, I, lo- I knew about it after the fact. But to live sacramentally is to move from learning about it after the fact to encountering God in the present moment. So when, when God reveals God's self to us, We're able to say, God is here, and I know it. God is here, and I see it. I'm I'm tears flowing down my face, but God is here. 
at the dinner table with friends. Oh, wait a second. God is here. Working in the office, this is not the best situation, but, 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 but God is here. Changing a diaper, yes, God is here. That's what it means to live sacramentally. And the way we live sacramentally is that our lives are marked by, by prayer, that we, that we have enough in our lives to slow down to be with God. And I want to tell you, one of the ways that I've learned to grow sacramentally is to just be with God in prayer, opening myself up to God. And there's something that when we open ourselves up to God in this way, our vision is heightened to begin to see God all over the place. If any person is in Christ, new creation. It's, I, I got a new set of lenses now. The old is past, the new has come. And yet we often live without seeing God. This is the story of the people of God. And I want to close with this. Throughout the entire Bible, God shows up and the people of God miss it. Supremely so when God becomes flesh in Jesus Christ. God takes on flesh, the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. And the people do not see God in their midst. And when Jesus dies on the cross, they say, definitely that can't be God. This is definitely not God on the cross. And yet it was. God comes to us often in surprising ways. No more surprising than being crucified on our behalf. And so when we see a crucified Jesus, we are reminded that God has a way of showing up in ways that often go beyond our imagination. Therefore, our call is to be on the lookout for this God. Let me close with this. What I love most about this story is who God comes to in Genesis 28. He doesn't come to a person who's known as a bastion of righteousness. He doesn't come to a person who is marked by integrity. He doesn't come to a person who everyone looks to as a role model. He comes to Jacob. Lion, tricking, deceiving Jacob. The guy who, who, who lives his life deceitfully. And what that's a picture of is God's grace. You ever notice who God comes to? He doesn't come to the people who have their act together. He comes to the people who are so caught in sin and so trapped by their ways and so inconsistent in their life. God said, ah, that's the person I'm going to come to. And what it reminds us is that God's grace is never something we earn. God's grace is something that's freely given to us. And the truth of our lives is this. We are Jacob. All of us are Jacob. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us live inconsistently and deceitfully. All of us have lied our way through life in one way or another. And yet God says, my grace is for you too. And when we see that God's grace comes to us in this way, if he, if he can come to Jacob, certainly he can come to me. And my prayer is that we would be able to say as the people of God this week, God was in this place, and I knew it. Let's pray together. I wonder today, 
Where are the spaces that God is showing up in your life, the moments, the people? And where have you missed it? God is with us, God is for us. And God longs to reveal himself to us so that we would turn ourselves towards God and surrender all of our lives to him. Jesus, forgive us. We have lived our lives often so distracted, so compartmentalizing our faith, with such a chaotic rhythm that we miss the very ways you're showing up through our tears and and sorrow, through parenting in our workplaces, through the ordinary tasks of sweeping and mopping, various ways that you long to meet us. Lord, open our eyes to your presence. And may we see your presence in the next person we meet, whether we agree with them or not, whether they vote like us or not, whether they look like us or not, help us, Jesus, to see your presence everywhere we go. We sing to you now words of praise, words of worship. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, let's all stand, let's sing together.
Let's have our prayer team come to my left. Invite those offering the bread and the cup to come to my right. We meet Jesus in the breaking of bread and the taking of the cup. And we are reminded when we come to the table that God comes to people like Jacob. Uh, People who are caught in their own sin. People who are trapped in their own ways. People who wander and are lost and broken, those are the people God reveals himself to. And he does so in the bread and the cup. And so when you come forth to take the body of Christ, the blood of Christ, you are positioning yourself to be encountered by the risen Jesus through these elements. And so uh, you can come forward for the bread and the cup. And to my left, we have our prayer team. And we meet Jesus uh, in the prayers for one another as well. As we pray for one another, uh, we somehow encounter the mysterious presence of Jesus and the power of the Spirit as well. And some of you came into church today with heavy hearts. You came into church. You know, 2020 is like 2020. We are 19 days into it. And it's already hard. It's just like, what's going on? And that is the nature of life, isn't it? And we want to pray for you. We want to lay our hands on you, remind you that God has not left you alone that God is with you. And so our prayer team is here. Uh, The Lord's table's here. And for those of you who've never said yes to Jesus Christ, I imagine some of you in this room, you've been coming here, and maybe you're visiting church, and um, maybe this is a new experience for you. But the message of Christianity is that there is a God who loves you with an everlasting love and who, who wants to visit you and come to you, who wants to dwell inside of you, who wants to forgive you of your sins, who wants to give you new life, who wants to fill you with his life. And that simple invitation is received by by you confessing your need for God and what Christ has done for you on the cross, forgiving you, raised up on the third day for for your life and for your forgiveness and salvation. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus here, We'd love to pray for you as well. And if you sense something stirring you, like, yeah, some, I can't name it, I can't even articulate what it is, but there's something in my gut, something in my chest that I can't shake, our prayer team would love to pray for you and introduce you to this relationship to Jesus. And so whether you come to the table, whether you come for prayer, as the Lord leads you, feel free to respond. As we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. May we have eyes to see the presence of Jesus in our midst, wherever we go this week. Whether it's on the train, whether it's at home, in our workplaces, may God grant us eyes to see. And so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit with new eyes to see and ears to hear 
and a heart to receive all the ways that God will be coming to you this week. May you say, God is in this place, and I know it. I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the resurrected name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Grace and peace to you all.